Morning. So yeah, my name's Hannah, and um, I don't normally get to come and hang out in here. Um, I actually get to hang out with the coolest bunch of little ones um, ever. Um, I work in Trekkers, um, and Trekkers is our ministry to additional needs, and it is just phenomenal. Um, the team is incredible, and the kids are just, they're just so cool. Um, but um, you get me today, um, so if you're visiting and you don't like my flavour, great news, I'm not going to be doing this next week, um, and the professionals will be back. Um, two things, really, um, before I actually kick off with um, the subject of addiction, is I kind of wanted to explain why I chose the scripture that has just been beautifully read. And... Um, during the preparations um, and my study, that scripture just kept coming back to me. And I don't know if, if you um, are similar to me, I've been journeying my faith now for a few years, and I have what I would call markers. There are those times when I just know that God just met with me. There are times in my life where God just intervened, whether it be in a situation, whether it be a word in season, but he just kind of, I met with God and they were life-changing moments. They were those moments when I can kind of map back and say, I know that God met me there and this is how I've changed since. And I just felt that when I was preparing that today is gonna be, for some of us, it's gonna be a day like that. This would be like a marker, like a marker in the ground where God is gonna meet with us and we're gonna know that he's done something and we're gonna know that our lives are gonna change. Um, so that's why. And um, a little bit weird, you might um, notice that I'm not wearing any shoes. That is not normal. Um, but actually, um, I'm gonna be sharing a part of my testimony. And one of the things that I have been battling with this week is actually, look, can I just be really honest, is I wanted to save, I wanted to save face, okay? Um, it's never quite nice being on a platform and being vulnerable. So this is a personal thing between me and God. Um, so if it's a stumbling block to you or it's a distraction, can I just encourage you to look this way up and, um, and hopefully it won't be. So addiction, addiction. I did a little bit of a thing. Um, I kind of asked just random people, um, what's the first thing that comes into your head when you think of addiction? And most people um, responded with, well that's just addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol addicted to, to fags. Um, my daughter, my got a daughter, she's 15, she actually turned around and she went, ha, mobile phone, mum. Um, but it's interesting, the response or our mindset that we have over the word addiction. And I don't know what you're feeling right now when I mention the word addiction. Does it make you feel uncomfortable? You know? So, what is addiction? Um, there's lots of different definitions out there. I like this one. Um, and it is, addiction is a condition that results when a person ingests a subject, for example, alcohol, drugs, nicotine, or engages in an activity, gambling, sex, shopping, that can be pleasurable, but the continuation of which becomes compulsive and interferes with ordinary responsibilities and concerns such as work, relationships, or health. Experts are still debating over whether or not addiction is a disease or if it is a form of mental illness. And in fact, there's a lot of things around addictions that the experts and the professionals are debating. It's estimated that one in three people suffer 
with some form of addiction. In fact, one um, professor in, um, once said that life is a series of addiction, and without them we die. I don't know what your response is to that. I think that's quite, I don't know if I agree with that, or should I agree with that? Addiction. So I'm gonna share a part of my testimony. Um, but before I do, I just wanna be straight up. Uh, part of, a lot of my testimony, or my journey of faith, um, um, is connected to my upbringing. And I just want to pull out you, I'm not going to share my full story, because um, I just don't have time. And, um, but my, my story is marked by the grace of God and the power of God. And um, I come from a very interesting family. And I have a beautiful relationship now with my parents, but that hasn't always been the case. And um, they, a long time ago, um, when I began to first talk or share my story with others, I asked their permission to share um, and so I have their blessing, I honor my parents, and I love them dearly, and I highly respect them. But I just wanted to put that out there. So I'm 37 years old, I'm married, and I have a beautiful daughter called Madison, who's 15. And I grew up in Portsmouth. Um, so I don't know if anybody of you know, Portsmouth's not that far away, it's about an hour away. And it's an interesting place to, to grow up. Um, just the bog standard culture, so I'm just going to share. Um, so just the norm, um, I went to secondary school. The first year of secondary school, um, I started smoking, because actually that was just what you did. Everybody did, everybody in my classmate. Um, and um, <laughs> I started to explore alcohol in the form of the cheap diamond white, if there's anybody in here that remembers that. It is disgusting, it, it's just chemicals. Um, and, um, and my, my life basically was, um, I used to go to the local park and I would smoke and I would drink. And to me, this was like the perfectly normal thing that you did when you were a teenager and generally just got up to mischief. And, um, and interestingly, the way, for me, it was normal because I came from a house where both of my parents, both my parents struggled and still struggle with alcohol. Um, for as long as I can remember, they were both alcoholics. Um, and amongst other addictions. Um, so to me, it was just normal. To me, growing up in that environment, it was quite volatile. You know, I know what it's like to come home from school and, and kind of walk around on eggshells, because you just don't quite know what type of mood you're walking into. Addiction for me is, it's, it's, it was real life. And it was just something, I didn't know any different. As I, um, as I journeyed through my teenage years, um, my family actually did eventually just break down. And through my teenage years, um, I don't know what you would say. Did I, did I run off the rails? I don't know if, you know if that's probably the right way. I just did what I wanted. There were no boundaries. I wasn't parented. Um, I, had, I just had no boundaries, so I was like, whatever goes. And I, I did, I did fun things. And at the time, fun for me was, drinking and not the following day, but you know. Um, and for me, it was just getting up to mischief. By the time I, um, I kind of half finished school, by the time I kind of hit my last year, sort of 16, 17, I got involved with um, another group of friends and they were into the club scene. 
And, uh, and that, became, that became my drug. That became, for me, escapism. I love music. And there's something for me about music that's just so releasing. And I just loved it. So I would, I would save up my dinner money from school. And I would go, and I would go into clubs. And it's interesting, because when I share this story, they look like, how did you get into a club at 16? When you want to get into a club at 16, trust me, there are ways. And I grew up in a culture where our parents were doing this. I grew up in a culture where my friends' parents would drive me to the clubs. I grew up in an environment where my friends' parents would go and buy me the bottles of 2020. They would buy me my drugs for me. It was a norm. Um, when I was 18, I met my gorgeous husband, and, um, and he, was part of, he was part of that culture. Um, I met him at the pub, and, um, and I just thought, you know, carry on just as we are. I didn't know any different. But if you were to ask me, and I know one of the reasons I am so passionate about working with young people, because if you had asked me straight up now, was there any time, Hannah, knowing what I know now, knowing Jesus, and knowing what he has done in my life, I long, and I think, why did no one come and tell me? Why didn't someone come and find me at 16? An interesting fact is, is where I grew up, I grew up on an estate with like, typical shops, and that's where we would hang out on the park bench. On the dead opposite was a church. I didn't even know it was there. All those years. And believe it or not, it wasn't until I encountered Jesus, he sent me to that church. And I'm like, I didn't even know it was here. Hindsight, probably a good thing. I might have burnt it down. But you know, like, but here my heart. I wish someone had come and found me at 16. I probably wouldn't have made the mistakes I did. So addiction, going off topic. By the time I was 18, I met my, my gorgeous husband. And um, we got married pretty quick. Um, got married quite young. And, um, and we had our daughter um, pretty much straight away, perhaps before marriage, but hey-ho. Um, and I would love to say that in that moment, I think when you, when you have a child, it does change you. It does. But there are certain things that had gripped me. There were certain things. I, was, I still liked alcohol. I still liked that partying lifestyle because it was my, my way of escape. When I was stressed, it was the place that I went to. That was, it was like my brain had programmed itself that that was the way to get release. And it was a long journey. But something happened when my beautiful daughter was about a year old. And that's what today is all about, is I encountered Jesus. And I encountered him in such an incredible, powerful way that has marked my life and has radically changed it. I would love to stand here and say in that moment, as a young 20-year-old, he did it in an instant, and I was miraculously like, set free, healed up, and like, was a perfect Christian. No, it didn't work like that. I met with him, and it's been a journey. And it's still a journey. I still sometimes, I still sometimes, I don't smoke anymore. Took, that was probably the hardest thing for me to give up. And interesting enough, it's been 10 years. I still crave it. I st you know like when you walk behind people in the street and I smell it, I'm like, flip, bare neck. 
And it's like, I actually enjoyed smoking. I know you're not meant to say that, and if you're a youngster, please don't smoke. You know, it's not good for you, but I enjoyed it. I still crave it. So I would consider myself still an addict when it comes to smoking. I've, I don't drink, I choose now not to drink alcohol. So I've been teetotal, I think, again, probably about 11, 12 years. Not because I would consider myself at that point to have a problem, but I think I just recognize that maybe there's something about my personality that is addictive, that I can easily fall into that trap of being addicted. So what did, what did, Je- what did encountering Jesus do for me? I feel like I'm running out of time. Where do you start? Do you know what? Jesus is just, he is the realest person. He's the realest thing in my life. I stand here today purely because of him. And interestingly enough, I still have some of my old friends, um, just check out my Facebook page, who are still in that lifestyle. And one of the things that they say to me all the time is, Han, I don't recognize you anymore. It's like, hey, where did, where did, who are you? And that's because I've changed because of Jesus. He has done something incredible in my life. And one of the first things, um, I think for me, one of the most powerful things is what I'm doing today. It's about bringing it into the light. I think when you struggle with addiction, whatever that is, and that could be a physical thing. Today, I have spoken mainly on sort of the physical side, the, the substances. But what if you get addicted to gambling? I have a problem with shopping. I'm going to chuck that one out. I do. And actually, this week, I really feel convicted. That's probably my go-to de-stressor now is to hit the shops and buy dresses that I just don't need. What about your mobile phone, like my daughter said? There are so many things that we could be addicted to. And many professionals will say, outside of the, the substances, that actually it is because of high levels of stress. It's places that we turn to, to numb it, to escape. So my question is, is if we were to really honestly ask ourselves, Where do we go when we're stressed? What do we turn to? So bringing it into light, there's something incredibly powerful when we are open enough and brave enough to share, when we're brave enough to get really real and just say, do you know, I have a real issue with this. You know, and with Jesus, there is no shame. And the enemy will try and make you feel ashamed for what you're doing. He will try and condemn you and he will try, the reason I'm standing here with no shoes on is because I didn't want to share none of that because I just didn't want you to look at me any differently. I've been here two to three months. I haven't really made close friends yet. This ain't going to help me. Do you know what I mean? You know, that sense of, and I think we all have that ability, you know, that thing in us, you know, and I think particularly in the Christian circles, I think we're so naff at this because we automatically think, well, I'm a Christian, so therefore I should have it all together. Can I be really straight up? My dad was a worship leader. My parents were in leadership. It doesn't matter who you are, we can all fall short. And Jesus wants to meet with us. Bring it into the light. Secrecy fuels addiction. It fuels it. 
All the time it's hidden, all the time it's just between, it's just your little secret. But it fuels it. Bring it out, be bold. Tell your best mate, tell your spouse, tell them. Start the conversation. For some of us, we might need to take some drastic action. For some of us, it might mean that we need to disable our internet. For some of us, it might be that we need to give our phone to our spouse from certain hours of the day. For some of us, it might be that we need to chop up some store cards and not hit the town for a little while. I don't know, for some of us, it just might be taking that drastic action. If you're serious and you recognize that you've got a repetitive habit that isn't necessarily good for you, break it. Break it. Ask people to help you. What we feed grows. What we starve dies. It's that simple. It's that simple. And can I encourage you, don't kid yourself, you know? I've, you know when you've got a problem with something, you know? You can try and tell yourself a million times, I don't have a problem with this, it's all under control. If you're sat there now and you're saying that to yourself, you probably don't have it under control. I said that for years. But get real, don't kid yourself. There's this beautiful, I'm gonna end um, really quickly. Um, there's this beautiful letter that Paul writes to the 1 Corinthians. And um, the Corinthians were quite famous for their lifestyle of getting drunk and brawling and doing lots of weird sex stuff. And Paul writes, when he's, he's, he's challenging them on idolatry and in context, he's talking about food that's been sacrificed to idols. But there's just this one bit that jumps out. And, and I just love it. And he, he writes to them and he says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And how true is that? You know, I don't want to take it out of context, but actually if we were going to apply that today, you know, shopping isn't, there's nothing wrong with shopping. Everybody does it. But if you've mounted up a debt that's crippling you, if your shopping is causing tension in a relationship with your spouse, if you can't put food on your table, that's not beneficial. What about gambling? It's not, it's quite easy nowadays. In fact, it's more easier, I think, than ever. You just gotta switch on your phone. What about pornography? We can do it. But is it beneficial? So my question is, is if we were to ask ourselves and get really real, where do we go? Where do we go when we're stressed? And I'd like to say that for me, it has to be Jesus. He is the only one that can set us free. And I'm learning. I haven't got there yet. I'm learning that in those times when I'm stressed, when I'm tired, to change my thought patterns and to turn to him first. And the crazy thing is, is years down the line, I know, I know that when I turn to Jesus, he, he's there and he helps and he gives me peace or 
Why I don't do that every time, I don't know. I told you, I'm a work in progress. Jesus came that we might have life in abundance. Okay? He died on that cross that we might know freedom. So I'm going to stop there. And I'm just going to ask you just to spend a moment to just get real. And just ask yourself, where do I go? Where do I go when I'm stressed? How, how do I react when I hear the word addiction? And if you're brave enough, why don't you ask the Holy Spirit to show you if there is anything in your life that you're addicted to that might be permissible but isn't beneficial? So what we're going to do is we're going to have a moment of silence. And I just want you to just spend this moment between you and God. <laughs> 